If you want to turn also in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at chapter 12 and chapter 14 this morning as we continue our series on many gifts, one spirit. Many gifts, one spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul writes to the church in Corinth about these gifts of the spirit. Now these gifts of the spirit are significant for the church. We talked last week uh, and started this series off and kind of began to lay the foundation as, so that we can begin to digest the, three, the nine different gifts over three more weeks. And we laid the foundation to say and to get in our head that the gifts of the Spirit are power tools that God's given to the church. Remember last week I had my power tool out and I was nervous. Many of you were going, what is he doing? I was even told afterwards that I was cutting wrong. Or not properly, because if I would have used the side and not bowed it in, then I would have cut it smoother. And I thought, why didn't I think of that? Because I'm not that handy when it comes to tools, but I try my best. But we talked about the power tools, that these gifts of the Spirit are power tools for the church. They're to help build the church. They're to help edify the church and the church body. And they're to help expand the kingdom. And we don't need to be scared of them. We don't need to be fearful of them. We need to be willing to embrace them. We need to be uh, just individuals serving God, plugged into the Spirit, plugged into the power source, so that these gifts then flow from the Holy Spirit through an individual who's plugged in for the church to be lifted up, for the church to be edified. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to look at three of the gifts Last week we broke them down into three, but this week we're going to look at the first group and we're going to dissect the gifts that say something. The gifts that say something. We call them, uh, there's, there's words around in like the uh, commentaries that call them the utterance gifts. I like to say they're gifts that say something. It's way easier than saying utterance. Or you could say vocal gifts. These are the gifts that speak or say something to a group of people. These are the vocal gifts, the utterance gifts, the gifts that say something. Paul says there are to another. He's all talking, remember, the same Spirit distributes these gifts uh, for a season, for a moment, for the church. He says, to another prophecy. So the Spirit gives this gift of prophecy to one, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues so they can speak in a different language that they don't know. And still another the interpretation of tongues. So that means when someone speaks out in this tongue, God's giving a gift of interpretation to somebody to be able to interpret it for the congregation so that it can edify the body of Christ. There's prophecy, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the three gifts that we're going to focus on this morning. There are six other ones, faith, miracles, healings, um, discerning of spirits, uh, wisdom and knowledge, and we're going to look at those over the next two weeks. But this week we're focusing on the gift of prophecy, the gift of speaking in tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues, and what that looks like in our context as a family, what that looks like in the church, and how it should function. How many of you know this saying to be very true? Words are powerful. The words we speak are powerful. They are powerful. They have the, 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 the ability to lift someone up or tear someone down. They have the ability to, uh, to, uh, to do 
good or damage. Words are powerful. The words that we speak are powerful. And I think it's no different when we start talking about vocal gifts, gifts that say something, the gifts of the Spirit that say something. They're powerful, and they can be powerful in two ways. If they're done in the right context, they're done directed by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, they are so powerful and lifting up to the church. But if they're done in the wrong spirit, or if they're done for selfish gain, then they can be so dangerous to the body of Christ. Proverbs says these words, The tongue has the power of life and death. Now that's not the tongue that we talk about the... The gift of tongues, this is the literal tongue, like the one that's in your mouth, has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Isn't that a great, wise statement? The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue, the words we say, they're so powerful. James writes in the New Testament several times about taming the tongue. And he says, with the tongue, with our mouth, with our voice, with our own language that we speak, we praise our Lord and Father. We praise God with our tongue. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Words are so powerful. They are so significant. They have the, uh, oper- the ability to either bring life or to bring death. They're so powerful, the words that we speak. So when we begin to talk about these gifts that say something, we have to understand that when we speak, they're powerful. Whether it's a prophecy or a tongue with interpretation, they are powerful. And if they're done in the wrong context, or they're done in selfish motive, or they're done in the, uh, in the idea of, look at me, I can declare a word, and it's all about me, then it can be very dangerous for the church. But if it's led by the Holy Spirit, edifying and lifting us up, they can be so powerful. I don't know if you've ever been in service moments where God has spoken through a word of prophecy or a a word or a gift of tongues with interpretation and how it just lifted up the, the, the atmosphere of the church, how it just lifted up the church and how it drew us closer to God. They're so powerful. But they can also be dangerous if we don't understand the context or we don't understand the operation of them and we try to make it man-made or man-driven. It doesn't work. It's more actually more dangerous than good. So we want to look at these this morning. We want to dissect them. We want to begin to uh, get a feel for what they are. So here they are. Let's, let's give a quick highlight so we can understand how they function within the church. The gift of prophecy. So let's start there. The gift of prophecy. The first one that Paul mentions of the gifts that say something is the gift of prophecy. To another prophecy is what he says. So he's saying the, the Spirit gives this gift of Prophecy. The gift of prophecy is this supernatural manifestation of God speaking to the church through an individual in his own language or a language that is known to him. So, for our context, it would be God, the Holy Spirit, stirring on an individual who's plugged into the power source, who's connected to the Spirit, who's connected, serving, connected to God. And God moves on their heart, drops this gift, and they begin to speak out in terms of this church. And in our context, it would be in English. So it would be a language that you know, 
that you understand, that you can communicate. And you speak it out, but it's God moving through you. Always lifting or edifying the church. Always building up the church. Not tearing it down, but always building it up. The Greek word for prophecy means to speak for another. So it really means that we are speaking, as God's speaking to the church, He's speaking through an individual, and we are speaking the language that we know to the body of Christ to lift and and edify and build them up. It's speaking for another. So when you allow the gift of prophecy to function through you, what you are actually doing is allowing God to speak through you to the body of Christ. You're not... It's not like you're, you're, you're making it up as you go. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you. And it's just a side note, you have control. You are, you're not like not in control and like you've been taken over. No, you are in control and you can speak it out. Now, there's, uh, this clarity needs to happen around the gifts of the Spirit. Is that the gift of prophecy has nothing to do with the office of prophecy or the office of a prophet. This is important note just to make. That the gift of prophecy we talk about in 1 Corinthians has nothing to do with the office of prophecy or the office of the prophet. What is the office of the prophet? That is the, uh, you know, God uh, instituted in His in His word uh, this five-fold of ministry. There's pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, and uh, it's not the same thing. So just because you share a word uh, speak for, let God speak through you, and you share a word of prophecy through the gift of prophecy, it does not mean that you're a prophet. This is important to note. Because it's not a, it's not, you don't hold a title. You are allowing God to speak through you. You don't hold the title of prophet. God calls people in this five-fold of ministry, which we'll talk about in a little bit, to be what, what, what is called a prophet, which is different than the gift of prophecy. So I want to make sure that we understand that. It's not the same thing. That the gift of prophecy is different from the office of the prophet. It, the simple gift of prophecy, just to help you. So the, simply the gift of prophecy is God exhorting, building up, and comforting the body of Christ through an individual. So it's, it's any one of us that God moves through and it's to build up to comfort the body of Christ. And prophecy has no foretelling of future events. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but it doesn't foretell future events. Just because someone moves in the gift of prophecy, this does not make him or her a prophet. We just need to make sure we understand that. The gift of prophecy is a moment to build up the church. A prophet, well, that's a different context we'll talk about later. So the gift of prophecy has nothing to do with the office of prophecy. So there's the gift of prophecy, which is uh, God coming and, and speaking. You're speaking for, uh, for God in a sense. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you to speak God's word to his church. And then he says there's the gift of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues has become a, a large debate in many churches. What does this look like? What does this Mean? I don't completely understand it. He said to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. So he's talking about this gift that there will be people, when the Holy Spirit moves upon them, that they'll speak in tongues to lift up the church. There's a catch to it. We're going to tag it in just a second. But there's this idea that you speak a language that is unknown to you, but must be interpreted. Okay, this is important. So... Prophecy is an English language, 
that is spoken to build up the church. The tongue, speaking in tongues, is an unknown language. So you can't go to school and get a master's in tongues. It's not possible. You can get that in English. I don't know why anybody would want to, but you can get that in English. But you can't get it. You don't. You can't study the language. You can't learn how to. You can maybe you can try and manipulate it and fake it, but you can't actually learn it. So the gift of tongues is is a language that you don't know, and you speak it out, and it requires interpretation. It requires interpretation. Now this is usually met with some confusion because then people start going well. And I had this with students when I was down in Cambridge. Like, well, pastor. There's this, this context we talk about speaking in tongues in a corporate sense. And then when, when people are praying for me, they're speaking this language I don't understand. Well, yes, there's a, there's a distinction and a difference here that Paul's trying to make between the gift of the Spirit that he talks about here in 1 Corinthians and the moment the disciples were filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2. So here's where the difference is. This gift is a gift that is given to lift up and build up the church and needs to be interpreted, where Acts chapter 2 is when the, you're in this prayer moment where you have this prayer language when you don't know what else to pray, when you don't know what else to say, you just lift your voice in prayer and you begin to speak in this language that you have not learned, that you don't understand, but you begin to communicate it to God. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray for this. I'm just going to pray. And you begin to pray in this language that, that you haven't learned. And it communicates yourself with God. So tongues in this context is for the church. Tongues in Acts chapter 2 is personal. So the gift of speaking in tongues is different than the tongues, the prayer language. So the gift of speaking in tongues here in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 is different than what we read about in the uh, book of Acts when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are two moments of tongues, different languages. But tongues for the prayer language is what we receive when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see this in the evidence in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 8. There's a variety of moments in Acts when we see this. We did a series, a study on this about a year ago. And it's our spirit speaking through the Holy Spirit to God the Father. That's what this tongues for a prayer language is. And it can be manifest in different languages. It could be just a language you don't know. Tongues, the gift of tongues that we receive from the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of God speaking to the church. Here's the point again. It's always to the church through the Spirit with various, uh, with tongues that must be interpreted. So the prayer language is when your spirit is communicating to God. Tongue as a gift is when it's God speaking to the church that needs to be communicated. Your prayer language is your spirit speaking to God through the Holy Spirit. And the gift of tongues is God the Father speaking to you and to the church through the Holy Spirit within you through an individual that must be interpreted. So we have the gift of prophecy, which is an English language spoken to lift up the church. We have the gift of Tongues, which is an unknown language spoken to lift up the church that needs to be interpreted, which is why Paul then says, then there's the gift of interpretation of tongues. We have the gift of prophecy, we have the gift of tongues, and now we have the gift of 
the interpretation of tongues, which is another gift that says something that's so important for the church. And still another, the interpretation of tongues, Paul says. So there's this prophecy, there's this, there's this, um, there's this a gift of tongues that needs interpretation. And now there's the interpretation of tongues, which is uh, the supernatural revelation to an individual of the message God is giving to the church through the gift of tongues. So this interpretation of tongues is to help you and I understand what this tongue that was spoken out to lift up the church, what it really means is God speaking to us to build us up. So this is in our context would be in English so that we can understand it. It's God communicating to us. And we need to know this, which is very important in interpretation, is that it is an interpretation, not a translation. So this is an interpretation, not a translation. Some of us can get very hung up on this. We think it, well, if it's God speaking, then it's a definite translation. No, it is an interpretation. Translation would indicate that it would have to be perfect. That it would be word for word. But it's an interpretation. It's which one person's describing in their own words what they've received from God. So the tongue is when someone speaks out because the Holy Spirit's moved on them for the body, for the church, and it's lifted uh, and it's edifying the church. And then there's this gift of interpretations to help us understand what it is so that we can, again, be built up. The church can be built up. But it's an interpretation, not a translation. Okay, so that's understanding the gifts. Now, how do we see them function in our context? What is the use of them? And I want, that's what I want to explore because Paul then takes this piece in chapter 12, goes to chapter 13 and talks about love and then jumps us into chapter 14 where he talks about the gifts of prophecy, interpretation and, and tongues being uh, shared and functioning within the church. So the remaining time I want to do this. The use of the utterance gifts or the use of the gifts that say something and I want to understand and help us begin to navigate through how this functions within our context because it's very excuse me applicable first corinthians chapter 14 follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially the gift of prophecy for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man but to god indeed no one understands him he utters mysteries with his spirit But everyone who prophesies speaks to man for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. And make sure if you if it's your own Bible, you circle this next part because it's important. Unless. Unless he interprets. So the church may be edified. So Paul is writing to the church. He's challenging the church. And remember, Corinth is a place where these gifts are being uh, manifested regularly. And they're like bragging about them. 
They're saying, hey, look at our church. We speak in tongues all the time. We we prophesy all the time. And the church down the road saying, yeah, well, we have the gift of miracles. And, and Paul's saying, okay, hold on. We need to settle this. We need to lay it clear. We need to help you understand. And we need to be able to walk forward in this so that the gifts, as they become manifested in the body of Christ, are doing what they're supposed to do, which is to edify and lift up and build up the church. So he's saying, I love for you all to speak in tongues, but I wish, you know, if you just speak in prophecy because everyone understands it, it builds up the church, unless, unless there's interpretation. Because when the interpretation comes, then the church may be edified. Verse 6, now brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the the flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Since you're eager to have these spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. And I mean, the nine gifts that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 all are intended to build up the church. But when, when there's no interpretation with tongues, it doesn't help build up the church. But when there's interpretation, or when there's prophecy, or when there's faith, or when there's healings, or when there's miracles, or when there's words of knowledge, or words of wisdom, or discerning of spirits, they all build up the church. So excel in those gifts. For this reason, he says in verse 13, for this reason, anyone who speaks in tongues, in a tongue, should pray that he may interpret what is said. Here's a very, very important line. Anyone who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret what is being said. So he's talking here about the gifts of tongues that require interpretation. Anyone who speaks in a tongue for the body of Christ must pray that they may have an interpretation. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying? You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. Pray that you will get an interpretation because if all you're doing is speaking out in tongues, yell. I mean, imagine me if I stood up here just for a second. If I stood here and I began to speak to you in Russian, I, no chance I'm learning Russian, just so you know. But how many of you would be looking at me going, somebody please interpret? I was in a Spanish service in Cambridge. We had a Spanish church and I went and the pastor got up and he began to speak and I mean, he was passionate. And I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what you're saying. 
I'm using a language that we know, but this is kind of what Paul's saying. Like, you could pray all you want to, but how can someone agree with you? You could, I mean, you could be thank, giving thanksgiving, but how can someone agree with you? Because they don't understand what you're saying unless there's interpretation. And when there's interpretation, then we can say amen and we can be lifted up. Otherwise, we're not building the church up. It's just person, it's just you and God. And that's not a bad thing, but in a church context, the gifts are to edify the body. Verse 20, brothers, stop thinking like children in regard to evil. Be inf- so in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. The law is written through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners. I will speak to, the pe- to this people, but even they will not listen to me. There's some context here that we're grasping about the use of the gifts of prophecy. But it, it keeps going. It keeps going. He says, tongues then are a sign for the believer. But for unbelievers, prophecy, however. Prophecy, however, is for the believers, not the unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and someone who do, uh, some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in... Will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or someone who uh, does not understand comes in while everyone is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secrets of his hearts will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among us. He's saying that these gifts are significant. The the, the the operation of these gifts in our in the church are important, but there's some context that needs to be understood. When then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for strengthening the church. Paul is relentless to remind us that these are for the church to be built up. They're for the strengthening of the church. They're to build the kingdom. They're not for personal gain. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker, the person who says it, should keep quiet in church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak. And the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. Here's the order for worship. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. You are in control. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Now that was a very long passage of scripture, I know. But it's important for us to understand because there's context here that is about the use of the gifts that say something. He's talking about prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. And yes, they are incredible gifts. And yes, they are so good to build up the church. But if there's no interpretation with the tongue, then they're useless. If prophecy is spoken out, it's to lift up, not tear down. So let's look at this morning six governing principles. Let me just jump here. 
Let's look at six governing principles with the gifts that say something. So these are kind of general principles from this portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that, that help us to understand. And the first one is this, that God uses ordinary people. You and I, ordinary people. No special super Christian, nothing, anything extraordinary, just ordinary people. You and I is who God is using when we're plugged into the power source and we're open to allowing God to to speak through us, whether it be prophecy, whether it be tongues, or whether it be interpretation, that God will use ordinary people. How nice is that? I mean, it makes me feel good. Because it means that there's not this level that you have to achieve. No, God's just using anybody who's willing and open so He can communicate to His church, so that He can lift up the church, so He can build up the church. He uses ordinary people. Paul says, for the way of love, follow the way of love, remember chapter 13, and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Who's that? Anybody who's reading this. The ordinary people. People who know God, who who are following Him, who are plugged into the power source, eagerly desire the gifts. God uses ordinary people. He uses you and me. The word desire in this passage, uh, to desire the gifts literally, literally means to pursue, to strive for, to seek after, or to aspire to. To pursue, to desire, to strive for. Seek after. Desire the gifts of the Spirit. Ordinary people, because God uses ordinary people to speak to the church, to build up the church. First, Paul writes in First, Second Corinthians, sorry, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That God is within us. That we're plugged into the Spirit. That God uses ordinary people, you and me, and you've probably heard it a hundred times to do extraordinary things, but God uses ordinary people to allow the gifts to minister to the church, to build up the church. That's, that's a good thing. That means you don't have to get a special degree to do this. No, just be open. Just be willing. Just be available. And God can use ordinary people. What other things to be seen here? Messages. The messages are for encouragement and instruction. These messages, whether it comes from a tongue with interpretation or whether it's a word of prophecy, they should be encouraging or instructive in nature. They are gifts for the church by God to edify, to build up the church. They're not to be tearing down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now to each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, for profit of all other translations say for all the people who are in the church it's for a good purpose first corinthians 14 what then shall we say brothers and sisters when you come together each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue and interpretation everything must be done so that the church may be built up these messages are not to be tearing down they're messages of encouragement, messages of instructions. They're following the ways of love in chapter 13 and they should be edifying the church. I don't see in Scripture the precedent with these gifts that they should be tearing people down or they should be um, negative or destructive, but they should be encouraging That encouragement may be challenging to someone, and that's okay. But they're not destructive, or they're not negative. They're encouragement, and they're instructions. 
messages are for encouragement and instruction. Another one, the tongues are only beneficial when interpreted. Tongues are only beneficial when they are interpretive. How can anyone be edified if they don't understand what is being said? If you don't understand it, you can't. If you don't understand what's being said, how can you be built up? Maybe the passion, but that passion could just be somebody who's really excited. There are communicators that can be very passionate but have nothing to do with God. I'm not talking in the church, I'm talking outside the church. But they can be passionate and you may not understand what you're saying. But it's not beneficial if it's not interpreted. If if you spoke another language that I didn't understand or someone else didn't understand and it wasn't interpreted, it wouldn't be any benefit to you. When you go away to another country that has another language, if you don't have someone walking with you who can interpret, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. Tongues are only beneficial when interpreted. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. This is important. They're not beneficial unless they're interpreted. So here's how it works. Speaker 1, someone gets this gift of tongues and they speak out in tongues and then Speaker 2, someone maybe on the other side of the room can then interpret that and share the interpretation of what God is saying to the body to lift it up. And well, if no one else gets it, then it comes back to you who has spoken out that you're praying, God, give me the interpretation so that the church may be edified because tongues aren't beneficial without interpretation. Prophecy tells forth, not foretells. So prophecy, this is, this is one where I think we can get ourselves maybe caught up or a little um, challenged by that. Prophecy tells forth. It doesn't foretell. So it doesn't predict the future. Prophecy is a message straight from the Holy Spirit to encourage God's children. It's like God leaning down or stooping down and, and kind of, you know when you do with your children, you kind of lean down and you hold them by the chin, you look them in the eyes and you encourage them. This is prophecies edifying the church. It's not foretelling. It tells forth. But the one who, who prophesies speaks to, pe- to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. In past, this is Hebrews chapter 1, where it, it, it kind of changes the focus that prophecy is, is this uh, tells forth or forth tells, not foretells. There was a time when, when, the, uh, when we had prophets in the Old Testament that foretold, that were speaking for God, and they were prophets, capital P, very significant and very important. But when Jesus came, we have the full revelation of God in Jesus. He completes all prophecy and fulfills the word of God. And there's nothing else to be added to it. So prophecy is about edifying, telling forth, not foretelling. In the past, the writer in Hebrews said, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So God spoke through the prophets at many times and various ways. But in these last days, He spoke to us by His Son, by Jesus, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom also He made 
the universe. So prophecy, which is important for us to understand, prophecy tells forth, not foretells. Therefore, since the Holy Spirit does not need to direct the church through prophetic words, since He lives in us, we say that modern prophecy is foretelling rather than foretelling. It tells forth rather than foretells. And it encourages us, it spurs us on, but it doesn't necessarily predict or direct us to future events. So it's not about the future. It's about building up the church. Prophecy forth, tells forth, not foretells. Order is of the utmost importance, Paul tells us. That order with these gifts is of the utmost importance. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. He's not a God of disorder, but of peace. This word disorder in the Greek means great disturbance, or insurrection, or revolt. So He's not a God of disorder, but He's a God of order, of peace. So what's happening in Corinth in the church is that this uh, chaos is pursuing in the church. There's this chaos amongst the spiritual gifts that, that God is, you know, that it's all about, you know, there's 20 people standing up and shouting out a word of tongue and probably competing against each other. Well, I know what God's saying to the church. They stand up and say this word. Somebody in the back corner jumps up. No, it's what God's... Maybe they don't say no, but they just stand up and they shout it out and somebody else. So it becomes this chaotic mess. And Paul says, whoa, folks, these gifts and our God is not a God of disorder, of revolt, of it's, but he's a God of peace. And, and there's an order and there's a, a, a structure to take place in how we communicate and how the gifts manifest themselves in the church. And when they do, it'll build up the church. He says, you know, like two or three gifts should be exercised in one service. Only one speaker should have the floor at once. Have you ever been in a service where there's been two people trying to spout out a, a word? It's like this, this tension or this battle. No, it's peace, not disorder. One at a time. If there's a tongue with no interpretation, then it should be looked at as, a, as someone personally edifying themselves. They're personally speaking to God. But maybe in our context of the church, because you know, when we're playing music and someone speaks out in tongues, all of a sudden we pull our hands off the piano and everyone stops and everyone hears and maybe it's not always supposed to be that way maybe it's just a personal uh, moment where you're speaking out in tongues your spirit communicating with god but you're a little more exuberant or you're a little loud voiced and people think it's a gift but there's no interpretation if there's no interpretation then we look at it as a personal edification each person has the power to control the, have constraint over the gifts. So the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They don't like trance them and they can't speak properly or it's not like they are out of control. They are in control. There are people who receive the word of prophecy, the gift of prophecy for the church maybe a day before and they come to the pastor after they've written it down overnight and say, Pastor, I believe that this word is for the church and the pastor and they discern and they say, yes, this is for the church. Please share but there's an order, there's a structure to it. It's not chaotic. It's not out of context. And each message should be evaluated, weighted carefully by the church. Order is of the utmost importance. 
in the, when these gifts operate within the church. And the last one is that these gifts are not above the office gifts. These gifts of the Spirit are not above the office gifts. These are, these are gifts that are to edify the church and God has given, uh, God has given the church office gifts or, or called individuals. 1 Corinthians 12 says, And God has placed in the church first of all apostles. These are the, the office gifts. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then, miracles. Then, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. It's kind of interesting that Paul references uh, in this writing, tongues is the last in the list, not first in the list, because the gifts of the Spirit are not above the office gifts. The gifts that we find in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. These are what we call the the office gifts. And they are given to the church that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These gifts of the Spirit are not above them. They should function together in the church to build the church. But I think what has happened, and I think that what has um, maybe definitely happened in, in the church in Corinth is that these gifts became the greatest thing ever. And they became so uh, see, sought after that it didn't matter that the gift of, of prophecy stood above the pastor or the teacher. The gift of this. And Paul's saying it's, it's not quite that way, folks. That these gifts are to build up the church. But Christ is giving the church pastors prophets, teachers, evangelists for a purpose. To work the people. And I think actually in that, I'm not sure, let me see what it says after here. Oh, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So he's called these people and he's given them to the church for a purpose to equip God's people to equip God's people to do the works of ministry, to, to, to uh, build up the church and the body of Christ. So Christ has given the church these office gifts and they hold the responsibility to equip God's people. And God's saying, I use ordinary people, anybody, any, I call people for these gifts and I use anybody else to move in the gifts of the Spirit. These people are equipping the church and I'm building up the church as we keep going through the gifts of the Spirit. So they're not above the office gifts, but they function in part together, you could say. But they're not above the office gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 ends with this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Pursue the gifts, church. Pursue the gifts that say something. They are significant to building up the church. We believe that they operate today. We believe that the Holy Spirit 
distributes gifts to those who are willing to, and, and, and or are willing, and that he moves through an ordinary person to, to build up his church. And Paul's saying, pursue them, but make sure everything is done in a fitting and orderly way. The Word of God gives us instruction. But I want a church to be pursuing God, to be pursuing the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would be moving amongst us, that the gifts of the Spirit would be in operation, that we would see and we would hear the gifts flowing in our midst to build us up. To build us up. Not so that we can say, we're the only church. No, that build us up. Because there are some incredible moments that I've encountered, and maybe some of you have, when God's Spirit has, and the gifts have moved in a service that has done so much in my personal life or so much in the life of the church that it was just like catalyst moment to push us to that next level that God was calling us to. I pray that we would be a church that's seeking the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. In fact, it's a, it's a value that we would be empowered by the Spirit personally, that we would see the gifts of the Spirit manifested in our midst to hear God speak to us through ordinary people through the gift of prophecy the gift of tongues with interpretation the gifts that say something they have power and they are powerful and they can be used in a good way or in a bad way but they are important eagerly pursue the gifts. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Worship team, would you come this morning? It's amazing how God works and how God leads people. And I had a short conversation when I time out and I kind of put you all on pause for a moment. I spoke with uh, Joy just for a second before we shook hands and she felt impressed by the Spirit to call the church in, in a very uplifting, a very edifying way that as we sing, and we're going to sing it now, come, now is the time to worship. That we would be willing to step out of our comfort zone. That we would be willing to step out of our, whether it's to the aisle or to the front, to step out of our pew or our comfort zone or our seat and to come before the Father and worship Him with spirit and with truth. So this morning I would challenge you and I challenge us as a church that as we stand to worship, as we stand to sing this chorus, as we stand to declare that, that God, You are everything that we need. Holy Spirit, we long for You to fill us to move in our service and in amongst us, that I'm going to step out and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to come to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So this morning, church, would you be challenged? Would you be stirred in, this, in your spirit to just step out and to come and worship? Whether that's into the aisle, whether that's to the front, whether that's to the back, wherever you want to go, just to step out of maybe your comfort zone as we sing this word, these words this morning.